The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. I'm a better lawyer when I'm healthier and happier. You know, I, if I don't get the right amount of sleep or if I haven't worked out or done, done my swim or whatever it is, I'm a little grumpy or groggy and I'm, my mind is not as clear. I've learned to appreciate, you know, how important those other things are. It's kind of like they say on the airplane to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help other people. If I don't take care of Jeff first, then Jeff can't take care of other people. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Hearing Podcast, where we share our conversations with interesting people around the world about all things related to the law. I'm Lauren Sobel, and today's episode covers a topic that has finally gotten the attention it deserves in recent years, and that's the importance of well-being in the legal profession. It's a topic I'm deeply interested in, and also a topic that my guest, Jeff Bast, feels strongly about. Jeff is a self-described family man, water lover, conservationist. He also happens to be a lawyer who runs a boutique bankruptcy firm in Miami that he founded with his partner, Bast Amron. As you'll hear in this episode, Jeff knows, and it seems really has known for a long time, something that the greater legal profession took longer to figure out. And that is, um, in order for lawyers to really do their job well, they need to take charge of their physical and mental well-being first. Though Jeff and I talk about his legal career, why he founded his firm, and his views on the benefits of in-office work for law firms, the focus of this episode really was on the importance of work-life harmony. Now notice I didn't say work-life balance, and you'll understand why after listening to the episode. Jeff shares how and why he embraced this philosophy and the positive impact it's had on his personal and professional life, which he credits for being a better lawyer and person all around. In the episode, we talked about topics you don't typically hear lawyers discuss, like meditation, breath work, and gratitude journaling, and all of that is why I found talking with Jeff so interesting. And if you're a lawyer who's a bit skeptical about the benefits of things like meditation and mindfulness, as I will admit I once was, I hope this episode sways you in the opposite direction. The Hearing. Thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us today. Um, Why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. You know what? I usually say I'm a lawyer, but I'm a father first. I'm a a father and a husband. And uh, I, in terms of business, I'm a lawyer. I own and operate a law firm called Bast Amron in Miami. Uh, We just celebrated our 14th year. We have 14 lawyers. We specialize in insolvency and commercial litigation with a sweet spot at the intersection of the two, that is insolvency litigation. I'm a former big firm lawyer. I practiced for nearly 15 years at two international firms before leaving to start my own practice. And my now partner had done the same thing around the same time, and we joined forces in 2009 to to form the firm. Well, congratulations on the the 14 years and and the 14 attorneys. It sounds like 14 may be your lucky number. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to track the uh, the the annual the annual progress because I expect that we'll be 15 when we're 15 lawyers when we have celebrated our 15 year anniversary. So we'll see we'll see how that goes. So you mentioned you you were at two big law firms before you um, joined forces with your with your partner. What what made you I guess first go out on your own, and then what made you join forces with with your partner Brett Amron? 
So it's, um, I didn't leave, like a lot of people leave big law because they're miserable. I was not miserable. I was very happy. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to say that I left, you know, on good terms. I, I, I left, when I left, uh, I said that I always say there's two ways to leave a, a big firm. Either uh, there's an email goes out that says Jeff Bass is no longer with the firm. <laughs> Or they have a, you know, there's a going away party in the conference room on, you know, at, at two o'clock and I wanted a going away party. So I left on good terms, but I left be, mostly because I really just wanted to try something new. I was getting ready to turn 40 years old, uh, but I was, you know, very happy in, in, in big law. I had, you know, the corner office. I was the hiring partner, a good parking spot. I was, you know, was well compensated and I just wanted to try something new and I thought I could... Um, you know, it was a good challenge. I thought I could really, I wanted to build something. And I did that. And around the same time, my Brett was doing, had done the same thing. And we started having lunch together and bouncing ideas off each other. And, you know, uh, what are you doing for insurance? And, you know, how, how are you handling this issue or that issue? And then eventually we started sharing space together. And then um, actually what, what did it, it what, what ultimately uh, bridged the gap for us was, our staff, our paralegals were sharing an office space and uh, we were getting referrals. You know, people refer the traditional way that lawyers refer business is they give three names. Well, uh, my paralegal scheduled a, a client perspective interview meeting for me. And then a second later, the phone rang and, and they were scheduling another a meeting for Brett. So they were, we were literally interviewing with the same client in the same conference room. Wow. And so we said, you know, maybe we should just join forces and do this together. And and I remember we we decided to form a firm. And that weekend, there was a big retreat for the lo local bar down here. And we started telling people and everyone said, oh, we knew we knew that was going to happen. So apparently we were the last ones to find out. So I'll, I'll tell a funny, a funny story. Um, so you and I had actually met in 2009, and I think um, neither of us remembered that um, when we more recently uh, reconnected on, on LinkedIn. But then when I, when I saw your name and I was like, why does this name sound familiar? And I went back through my emails, I realized, um, you know, there was a point where I was looking, um, looking at different firms after my clerkship. And I had actually met with you and Brett, and it sort of came flooding back to me. And what I remember was you guys really had an amazing chemistry. You were both so so nice, and and there was just this, um, you know, vibe between you two that that I it, it struck me. I remembered it, you know, sort of after the fact. Um, so I think it's wonderful that that you guys wow. were able to, you know, join forces and and do what you're doing. Wow, thanks. Thanks for reminding me of that. I didn't uh I didn't I did not remember that, but uh I love hearing that. Yeah, we have we have Brett and I have a great partnership. We have very much complementary strengths and styles, you know. There's things that I don't do as well that he does really well. And um, you know, we have a, a great partnership because we have similar work ethic and a similar moral compass and uh, you know, we have complete trust. I one hundred percent trust him with this business. So it's it's fantastic. And I want to talk a little bit more about something else you guys do together, which is a podcast, which we'll we'll definitely get into. Um, but first, I wanted to sort of um, touch back on something uh, you were you were alluding to. So you're an attorney, uh, first and foremost, you're a father. <laughs> your your LinkedIn headline lists you in this order: water lover, family man, conservationist, podcaster, and that's all before insolvency litigator. And when I read that, I was struck because to me, that sounds like somebody who has a very healthy view, 
you know, when it comes to, to work-life balance and who appreciates that if we want to stay sane and, and put our, you know, best foot forward at work, you really need to prioritize your health, um, your mental health, your physical health. So my question to you is, when did you, you know, sort of first realize that you needed to make, um, you know, work-life balance a priority and that you really needed to focus on, on physical and, and mental health in order to be a good lawyer? Well, first, uh, Lauren, thank you for thank you for reading my LinkedIn profile. I'm glad someone actually notices that. And I actually get I get the question a lot. What does water lover mean? But I'll, I'll circle back to that. Um, I think I, um, you know, it's interesting when I first made equity partner at my first firm, Holland and Knight, they used to send I don't know if they still do this, but they used to send all the partners away on a little leadership retreat. And they would do a psychological study of you and all, all types of it was a 360 degree review where your your colleagues would review you, your um, you know, superiors would 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 review you, people that work below you would review you. And and at the end, they would meet with the um, you meet with the psychologist and they would do a whole review. And I said to them, you know, I'm not sure this is the right career for me. And they asked why. And wow. I said, well, you know, everyone else seems to want to. Um, you know, approach it in a different way. And, you know, they want to, you know, they're, they're all about the law and they also want to, you know, fight every issue and, 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 um, you know, they want to, they want to make it, a, you know, everything has to be a battle. And, and they asked me and they said, well, um, you, do you do it your way? And I said, yeah. And, and she, she, she said, are you effective about it? And I said, yeah. And she said, do you get good results? And I said, sure. And, and she said, are the clients happy? And I said, yeah. And she's like, well, can't you, and maybe you're just doing it differently. It's, and I, and it, 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 it was really nothing earth shattering, but for me, it was a, it illuminated a light bulb for me. And, you know, we talked a lot and, and during the course of that conversation and that leadership retreat, I realized that, you know, for me, the practice of law is, it doesn't define me. I'm super grateful for this opportunity that I get to make a living helping people and it affords me the freedom and the flexibility to do all the things that I want to do, such as, you know, prioritize my family and, and uh, you know, my health and wellness. But, I, but I've also learned that I'm a better lawyer when I'm healthier and happier. You know, I, if I don't get the right amount of sleep or if I haven't worked out or done, done my swim or whatever it is, I'm a little grumpy or groggy. And I'm, my mind is not as clear as it is when I'm, you know, balance, you, you know, you use the word balance, actually, Brett, Brett always likes to say it's not really balance, it's harmony. You know, balance implies that it's 50-50, but it's harmony. Sometimes it may be 50-50, but other times it might be 70-30 or 90-10, or it might be 30-70. Um, but I, I've learned to appreciate, you know, how important those other things are in life. And if you don't have the, it's kind of like the, um, you know, they say on the airplane to put the oxygen mask on yourself first right. before you help other people. If I don't take care of Jeff first, then Jeff can't take care of other people after whether then that's with my family and, you know, my employees, and my clients and everybody else. So what kinds of things do you do to sort of take care of yourself? You alluded to to explaining what water lover really means um, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to you. But how do you how do you um, find that harmony? Yeah. So the water, the water lover thing is, I love anything to do with the water in, in any form. I swim. I'm an open water swimmer. I paddleboard. I usually am paddleboarding with the, the picture behind me is me on a paddleboard. Um, it's a great picture, by the way, oh, yeah, for thanks. our listeners who can't see it. It's awesome. 
I usually will paddleboard with my dog around Biscayne Bay. Uh, I'm a scuba diver and I love snowboarding. So that's, that's frozen water. Frozen water. <laughs> um, and I do that. I swim in open water three times a week. I'm part of a local club. If, if any listeners are ever in South Florida and are, and are interested in an amazing experience, we swim in Miami beach in the ocean, uh, every Sunday morning at 8 AM. There's a large group of us that's called dolphins and rainbows and shout out to, to the DNR. Um, we meet at the beach and we swim two miles on Sundays and I, but I also swim Friday mornings and Wednesday nights and on Wednesday night, I swim around, uh, the Island that I live on in Biscayne Bay. And it's usually about a mile, a little bit more than a mile. And then I work out. So I swim three times a week. I work out two to three times a week. I try to meditate every day. Uh, I do breath work at least once a week. Um, and I stretch and I also write in a gratitude journal once a week. Uh, but every day before I have a little morning routine, before I even get out of bed, I think I try to think about five things that I'm grateful for, you know, before I even open my eyes. Um, I think about five things that I'm grateful for. And then I get out of bed and I do a whole stretching routine. And I also I think one of the keys to this is I don't um, for me, harmony for me is I don't look at my phone. In terms of I don't start looking at emails, I might put on a podcast or, you know, a meditation or something like that. But I don't start working right away. I give myself some time to for me, some me time before I let every, you know, all the other work intrusions into my mind. And that gives me, you know, to me great clarity, but it also allows me the time to nurture, you know, my, you know, my, my soul, if you will. Sounds a little corny, but does not sound corny to me. So <laughs> so there are a couple things and, and you hit on a couple points I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I guess the my first question before we get there is how long have you been doing this routine and and you know what was there one thing that sort of made you get into this or or one moment you had that made you realize okay this is this is what I need to do to stay sane. Um I you know was there one moment? Yeah, you know I think there probably was. I hadn't really thought about this before you asked that question but when I started my firm, uh, when I started my own firm, I, I announced in March of 2008, and I'm an insolvency lawyer, and you can imagine there was something happening in 2008 what, that- Whatever do you yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, people say, did you know? I mean, I, I, I knew something was happening. I didn't know it was that. But anyway, I, I was super busy right from the get-go. I, when I sent the announcement email, literally my inbox went zip, and I had like a flood of emails, including a, my first client right away. But- but my point is I was super busy right away. And that was a time when, you know, obviously I was really focused on the business, starting this business and keeping up with it. I paid no attention to my health. I wasn't aware of this at the time I reflected on it later, but uh, I started having really bad back pains to the point where it was debilitating. I would stand up from my desk and I'd have to brace myself for a few seconds before I even started walking. And it was terrible. And I tried, you know, every everything I, I tried, uh, the only thing that worked actually was acupuncture would give me some temporary relief, but it was terrible. It was really in horrible pain. I ended up getting around one round of epidural injections and I went through physical therapy. And from that moment, I started working out with a trainer. Um, and that's 2009 uh, when this happened. 
And I've, I worked out with that trainer this morning. I've been working out with that trainer two to two to three times a week for, I guess it's now 14 years. Um, and at that point I realized I need to focus on keeping myself healthy. I lost a lot of weight. I trimmed down, uh, you know, I got into, you know, pretty much the best shape, you know, the same shape that I was in when I was 18 years old. Um, and I weigh now what I weighed in high school. So I've just maintained that and focused on it. And um, like I said, I'm a, I'm a better person when I feel good. I'm a better lawyer. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better partner. Uh, I'm well aware of that, that um, I'm not always the best at all those things, but I'm much better when I feel good. Sure. So I can I can sympathize. I went through something similar with with back pain and had um, physical therapy for a long time. And I will um, do my best to never get back there. So I understand, oh. you know, the motivation and and really trying to to take care of yourself physically. Um, so you mentioned breath work and and meditation also. So. Uh, about 15 years ago, I would say I was pretty, pretty cynical and, and, um, I had tried doing yoga and, and meditation and I thought it was ridiculous, quite frankly. And then I don't know, in the last five years that sort of turned around for me for, for various reasons. And, and now I really see, um, the benefit of, of yoga and meditation and, and sort of gratitude and mindfulness. Where did you learn? So you told us about the, the physical aspects, but where did you learn about, you know, the, the mental aspect. And I, I ask because, you know, this is something when you and I were in law school, at least the law school I went to, they didn't teach this, right? And, no, no and they didn't. <laughs> I just read an article recently that um, Penn Law was the first um, law school to sort of incorporate well-being into their um, into their curriculum and they required as part of their professional responsibility courses. But that, that didn't start until 2017, six years ago. And that was, that was the first school to do that. Um, from what I understand. So, so how did you get into it, you know, years ago before it was sort of, um, you know, a hot topic, I guess, if you will. I think, you know, mental health has been and and physical health you know health in general has been a you know a long-term journey for me so, you know starting from probably you know 30 years ago or so maybe longer um health in general i've always tried to be healthy um physically and i actually my my family most of my family is overweight i would say or they were traditionally i think everyone's in pretty good shape now but back in the day we were uh you know largely overweight and so i was always kind of focused on health but i i learned to focus on mental health around the same time that i went through the you know the back issues and i i i don't i can't point to a single source it really is i would say it's mostly podcasts um i started listening to podcasts and reading books and you know meditation just kept coming up as a theme and I, and I always loved yoga and things like that. And, um, I started meditating and actually, um, you know, all of those, you know, I just, once you start something for me, once I start something, I just want to learn it. I want to soak it in. I want to, I want to learn as much as I can. So I started reading on it and, you know, listening to different podcasts. I probably have five, six, maybe seven different meditation apps on my phone. Uh, I took a Wim Hof breathing class. Uh, I've taken two of those already. And so I've started doing Wim Hof breathing and we actually, I do a, we do a Monday meditation here in the office that's open to anyone. Uh, I had eight people on Monday 
this Monday for meditation. And, you know, people come in and I think, I think a lot of people start meditating, looking for something, looking for this earth shattering experience and don't realize that it's the complete opposite. You're not supposed to be looking for anything. Um, but for me, it gives me, you know, great clarity. And I have actually have my kids meditating from time to time. I'm always trying to get who wants to meditate, who wants to meditate. And, um, they don't always want to do it, but I think eventually it will catch on for them. I wish I had started it. It's one of those things that I wish I had. First, I wish I taught them when they were young. You know, I think teaching kids, because kids nap until they're five, six years old, and then we stop napping. But I think if we if we substituted in meditation after that point, they would uh, benefit tremendously. Definitely. I mean, that's I the primary reason I turned to meditation was because of um, sleep issues. And it really... Um, for me, it, it, it helps tremendously. So, and, and, um, yeah, it's a gradual thing. I never had an aha moment, but, but now I sort of see the, the benefit of it. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned sleep, Lauren, because I am neurotic about sleep <laughs> and my people that I work with, but also my family, they know that, you know, sometimes we'll, my wife and I will be out to dinner with friends and I will literally just stand up and say, okay, we got to go. Cause, um, <laughs> It's my bedtime. I have to go get my sleep. I, I have learned that sleep is, the, to me, sleep is the key to everything. Um, so um, I'm neurotic about my sleep and I'm always telling my kids, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. The Hearing. You're an attorney with a passion to perform, a drive to be absolutely on your game. With superior resources, serious preparation, and total confidence. Be your best with Thomson Reuters Practical Law. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. So you mentioned the the Monday meditation that you have with your firm. You you are somebody who runs a law firm, right? So what do you do to sort of make sure the attorneys at your firm and and the people who work with you at your firm are um adopting this mentality and and watching out, you know, for their own uh well-being. You know, um First of all, I'm fortunate because my partner, I have a partner who has the same mindset. If anything, he's, you know, he's probably healthier than me. He's the kind of person who runs, you know, wakes up and runs 10 miles every day before work. Um, and with no music or anything. Oh, wow. Pure, yeah, wow. just runs. And Can't do that. Nope. he takes his phone and he takes he takes amazing pictures of the Miami, you know, sunrise and we'll send it to the office. So it's, you know, I have a, a collaborator and he and I run the firm together. Uh, it's 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 a tough it's a tough issue because you can't force people to eat a certain way or work out. And you certainly can't say to someone, hey, I noticed you're putting on weight, you know, or something like that, or that I noticed that, you, you know, you're not getting sleep. So all I think you can do is, you know, be a leader and and lead by example. And, you know, we've done a few different things. I started the meditation, you know, in the office. And I think a lot of people in the office, not everyone does it, but those who do, I think, really enjoy it. And we, we started bringing in only healthy snacks into the office. 
we used to have sodas. We eliminated the sodas. We had several people who were like half a dozen Cokes a day or Diet Cokes a day that have transitioned to water or sparkling water, not because we made them do it, just because we led by example and and but we made a point of having you know lots of fruit around and nuts and you know just healthy snacks and i think people have gravitated towards that and enjoyed it Our, we also have there's a gym in the building and we try to do we do a, participate in a lot of charitable events and one of them is cycle for survival which is obviously a fitness-based um, event and i think the people really enjoy that and um you know God, I hope I hope any of them are listening to this, and they all, you know, will, will go out and go for a run or um, pay pay a little bit more attention to their their, their health and wellness because I won't want to keep them around. I love them, you know, they're my family. So, and it sounds like you have more than fifty percent of your family joining you for that that Monday morning meditation. So that says something as well. Um, yeah, you know, that was a big day. That was a big one. So. <laughs> Still, I think it's it's wonderful that you are, you know. Um, recognizing the importance of these things, particularly in the legal profession. And, and, um, I'm sure, you know, people are very appreciative of that. Um, so you mentioned snacks and food. And one thing I wanted to to talk to you about, it's something that you mentioned, um, when we had spoken, um, or I guess reconnected, um, more recently, um, is that you are vegan and I wanted to talk to you about um, this is something that fascinates me. It's I, I have um, a dear friend who who um, was vegan, um, still is, you know, to mostly. some degree. And it's mostly because of her love of animals. Um, but I realize people do it for different things. I, I would love to do it. I just um, for me, uh, cheese is is one of my true loves and I, I wouldn't be able to give it up. But I am very intrigued by by people who do it and and the reasons why and and the benefits that you see from that. So talk to us about that. How did how did you become vegan? Why and and what benefits do you see from that? It has been for me a long slow progression and really stemming largely from my love of animals and you know it was a more mostly a moral and environmental decision, but I gave up red meat uh, pork, everything but poultry and fish about 30 years ago, right after I graduated law school, I moved to Texas. I was clerking for a judge living by myself and reading a lot. It was at that time that I started reading all the books in high school that I was supposed to read that I didn't read. And just, it was a, a personal growth journey for me. And, um, so I gave up meat and I used to actually carry with me a card in my wallet from the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And when I would eat fish, I would be asking the waiter about what how the fish was caught because I wanted to only eat sustainable fish, and you know they would be looking at me like I was from a different planet. What do you mean? What, how was the fish caught? I don't you know. I don't, I don't know how the fish was caught. And then eventually I gave up poultry and fish, and and I was vegetarian. And then um, that was probably around the time of starting you know starting the firm, probably two thousand nine. And then four or five years ago. Um, actually my daughter, uh, one of my th four out of five of us are, are vegan, but my daughter was the first one to go fully vegan. So two of my three kids were vegetarian and she went vegan and then my son went vegan and then I went vegan and then my wife went vegan. Um, you know, and cheese was actually one of the, probably the last thing I gave up that we <laughs> gave up. And, you know, that's the thing you're kind of hanging on for. Yep. Cheese, it was cheese and chocolate chip cookies. You know, chocolate chip cookie was I usually my that. one exception. <laughs> and I've stopped really giving myself exceptions. 
Um, I feel, you know, people always ask me, how do you feel? It's really hard for me to measure because I don't have, you know, it's been so long since I ate meat, but I feel great. I just, I don't know if I, how I'd feel if I was eating otherwise, but I feel great about my, you know, in terms of health. But for me, it's that I don't want to eat, you know, people, you know, I don't want to eat animals. And I, you know, my favorite thing when I, I swim in the ocean is I want to see the life. I'm, I'm there swimming. I'm looking for animals, <laughs> for fish, for sharks, for whatever stingrays. And so I don't want to eat those things. Um, I just don't want to partake in that. And I don't, I don't judge anyone else that does, but I have come to a point where I want to live my life and on, on this planet and I want to do no harm and hopefully leave it a little bit better than the way I found it. That's kind of how I, I look at things. I get that. And I also have to say, I mean, you strike me as someone who's very um, disciplined. And I think giving up red meat in Texas is probably <laughs> the, the best example of right. that. That must have yeah. been quite a challenge. Yeah. My, yeah. My timing was probably off there. But yeah, <laughs> I think that was part of it. I was in this place where it was so prolific that I was like, I can't, I just can't participate in this anymore. Yeah. Um, good for you. I think, um, particularly, you know, as somebody who who loves the ocean, um, I I can understand, you know, why that's meaningful to you to to sort of make sure you're doing your part. Um, so that's right. great. I'm gonna shift gears to to something a little bit more um, polarizing, um, but I think it's something that is directly tied to to mental health and well being, and it goes in both directions, and that is. Um, remote work, hybrid working, office working. Um, as somebody who values mental health and 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 well-being, um, does your firm, I guess, uh, two separate two separate thoughts. You are someone who values mental health and well-being. Um, but also curious, does your firm have a hybrid policy? Um, we do, yes. And you're probably going to ask me what it is. And I, I can't say, I'm, I'm, I may be a little bit off, but we do allow hybrid work. Um, we do for lawyers. We ask lawyers to be in the office. We ask everyone to be in the office at least three days a week. Um, we allow people to work from home. We try not to. We ask that they don't do the work from home on Mondays or Fridays. Our, our week always starts, we start every week with a Monday morning huddle, which is an all hands on deck meeting. And it's a 15 minute, it's a quick meeting. Um, so we like to have everyone present at the huddle. And I think when people work from home or from Fridays, they kind of view it as a, hey, a three day weekend. Um, and I, I like the flexibility. I think it's, you know, I think we benefited from, you know, learning that we can do this. And during the pandemic, you know, our firm had a seamless transition to working remote. And I think people, a lot of people use that opportunity to demonstrate to us that they can work from home and be productive. But I think now with the passage of time, I, and I don't have any empirical data to support this, but I think we're starting to lose that productivity. I think productivity when people were working from home is waning. That's not to say that people who are working remotely aren't working, but I think, you know, there's a difference between responding to emails and actually working, you know, solving problems, drafting, moving, you know, moving along, moving cases along, you know, you can, you know, be at the beach and respond to some emails and, 
you know, make your presence known in the virtual world. But I don't think you're being as productive. I, I don't think any of my employees is at the beach when, you know, when they're supposed to be working. But I do think we're losing productivity. But more importantly, I think, you know, I was resistant to come back to the office when, you know, when we all started that that uh, experiment of coming back to the office. But as soon as I came back, I realized, wow, I really prefer this for a couple of reasons. One is I really like the separation of work and home. You know, I found that when I was working at home, when we were all remote, I would work. I was start earlier because I had my little routine. Like you said, I'm disciplined. I would, I had a deadline at whatever that day was. I wanted to be at my desk in like a, uh, you know, in, in clothing, <laughs> showered and at my desk by a certain time. But at night I would work up until literally up until, you know, all the, everyone was at the table for dinner. And then oftentimes I would eat dinner and help clean up. And then I go back and do some work. Um, Whereas now I try to work and I'll sometimes I'll stay late, but I, when I, I try to separate it, I work, you know, and I obviously work at night when I need to, and I do work on the weekends. I like to catch up on the weekends, but having the separation is really important for me for mental health reasons. But I also really like the, you know, we we have a collaborative environment and the practice of law, part of the beauty of the practice is the, the collaboration aspect. And I like being here. I like these people and I hope they, you know, they like each other and we worked hard. We just built out a new office space and we wanted it to be welcoming and warm and, and, um, and, and collaborative. And I think we did a great job with that. And, um, we're also trying to tra train, you know, new people. We have new people. We have, I have a law student across the hall here from me. Um, they, I think they really need to be around other people um to learn and grow and it's not just you know physical presence it's i think you lose in the virtual world you lose all the spaces in between you know you lose the conversation that happens before the meeting starts and you lose like uh you know katie is the law clerk across the hall katie is not going to learn about a case that she's not involved in working remote you know, so if she's working on ABC case, she's not going to learn about XYZ case. But if she's in the hallway and people are talking about XYZ case and she happens to walk by, she's going to learn about that. And so those little spaces in between, I think, are lost in the, um, you know, in the virtual world. And when you're trying to train people and and grow and connect. And I, I also think it's important that people are connected, that they know each other, that they care for each other, that that it's not just about the case and the client it's about what's happening in your life and how's your family and you know is you know is grandma's feeling better you know things like that our, our ability to connect is so important to what we do and i do think that the one of the keys to keeping employees because we have you know virtually no turnover here is creating an environment where people like each other you know that they want to work with each other and they want to be um here and so even though we allow work from home a lot of people choose to come in even though they have long commutes yeah so that that's sort of what i was getting at it's interesting i had i had this debate with a friend of mine who also happens to be a partner at, at a law firm and and he was adamant that remote work just doesn't work at a law firm primarily because you know for junior attorneys or or attorneys yeah. just starting out it's very hard to to learn the business and and learn the practice from home um 
And it's interesting, you said, you know, you have people who come in, even though they don't necessarily have to. And and what I've learned, you know, I'm, I'm an extrovert, and, and I do need some of that, um, you know, office environment to, to really feel sane. Um, but I wonder if it's, you know, a one size fit all approach um, in terms of, you know, because if you have somebody who's more of an introvert, I can see why it might be by, you know, better for them, or, or they may feel better working from home sort of quietly, but that's not necessarily, you know, the practice of law, particularly when you're just starting out. Right. I also think if you're remote, there's 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 a slight it might be minor but there's a slight barrier to communication and what i mean by that is you know one of the associates might have a question that if we were in the office they would pop in and ask me but if we were remote they would have to actually call me mm-hmm. and that that tiny little barrier you know i am certain that there are questions that go unasked or comments that go unmade because of that little barrier that otherwise would, you know, because I know I'm I'm that way. If I wanted to ask someone a question, if they're not here, eh, I'm not going to call them, you know, but I would, I walk down to their office and if they're not there, maybe I don't ask it or I wait till I see them and, but it may go unasked. And so those little things, those are opportunities for, you know, learning growth, but also, you know, improvement of whatever the client experience may be. And I think that, like you said, for the introverts, I think it's more important more important that they're in the office. You know, we're social creatures. We are social creatures. We need connections to people. We need interaction. We are better off together. You know, I, I really believe that. So I, I, I feel the same way you do, except that I happen to know introverts who would strongly, <laughs> strongly disagree. <laughs> but yeah. but yes, I, I hear you. And it's funny you say that, that um, you know, the phone call thing is a little barrier. I feel like in this day and age, that's huge because nobody likes to pick up the phone. It's it's very difficult to get people to call instead of, you know, a text or, or like you said, just, you know, coming to the hallway, coming down the hallway and, and talking in person. There is yeah. something about a telephone call these days that seems very arduous. Right. And I, I don't understand right. why, but it is. Yeah. But even like the call or the text, however, you know, that communicating that question or asking that question, if you have to put it in writing or pick up the phone or whatever it is, I think, you know, that additional layer of uh, friction, you know, may impair some of that, you know. I agree. So, yeah, you know, uh, again, I'm glad. I really am glad. I'm glad we have flexibility because I really do. I, I'm I'm spoiled. I have a short commute, but I know people have a long commute and I know that it adds a lot of stress and time to their day. So I'm glad we have the flexibility to allow people to work from home. But I really would be reluctant to have a full full, you know, to go fully remote. Sure. I think, again, at a, at a law firm that that makes sense um, to me, certainly. Um but I, um, yeah, I appreciate flexibility, um, you know, uh, in an office environment, definitely, definitely. Yeah, like you said, one size, where we are going, we, there is no one size fits all here. Right, right. For sure, for sure. So, what is the one question you would love to answer, but you have never been asked before? You know, you already asked me the one I love to answer, and that is about my vegan diet. Um, and, it usually comes, but it usually comes up in this weird context where people like ask pepper me with silly, like, where do you get your protein? And what do you just eat tofu all the time? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Um, but I, you know, I, like I said, I'd never want to impose my views on anyone, but I like to share my view in hopes that maybe someone might go, Hmm, maybe it's not as 
not not as hard as as I thought it would be. Um, by the way, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but Brett is also vegan, so that also helps. Uh, you know, the two of us uh, as leaders, having both of us as leaders, helps us uh, spread the gospel. But typically, when you invite us to a lunch, uh, our assistant will usually find a way to find you know to let the you know, the other person know, cause you know, we always get invited to a steakhouse for, you know, lunch. That's, that's the, that is the traditional lawyer lunch or lawyer, you know, dinner. And then when we walk in and order a plate of vegetables, I usually try to do it discreetly, but you can't, it's no, there's, there's no way to keep it discreet when they bring out a, a giant plate of vegetables and everyone has a steak, but eventually the conversation turns to, you know, why are you know, eating that way? Or, you know, you know, how long have you, are you still, people will say that to me, are you still vegan? Like it's a, you know, it's a thing. Are you still on the vegan diet? No, I'm not, it's not on the vegan diet. This is a lifestyle for me. Um, but it's, you know, most people think I get annoyed by that question, but I really, I really love that question. And I think when people hear your answer, they they can understand why you love it. I mean, you're you're obviously it's something you're passionate about, and like you said, it's not a diet. Like this is a way of life, and you do it because you believe strongly in in things that led up to that. And I think that's, um, you know, admirable. And I, I understand why why you must love talking about it. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. So we mentioned before that you have podcaster on your um, on your LinkedIn, um, and in fact, you and and Brett and your law firm have your own legal podcast called The Practice. Um, and I um, saw that you hit your 100th episode recently, so congratulations on that. Um, tell us about the podcast. How did how did it come to fruition, and and what are your favorite topics to cover? Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's called the Practice Podcast. Um, Brett and I started it. We actually started before the pandemic, and we we started it as an idea, as a marketing idea, as a way to to uh, raise our profile and allow our voices to be heard um, by clients and referral partners. And it's really morphed over time. In the beginning, he and I were speaking about a topic together. We were just discussing a topic, and they tended to be kind of legal focused or business focused. And then as we deviated, we, we did one that was called a healthy lawyer is a happy lawyer or have some variation of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got a lot of really positive feedback about that. And we realized that as we started being less uh, substantive, you know, legally substantive, we were getting more positive feedback. And then we started inviting guests on, and then we realized it's just a great way for us to connect with people and also an opportunity for us to promote our peers and referral partners. And, you know, I may not be able to refer a case to, you know, a lawyer at White and Case or, you know, one of the big law firms that refers me something. I may not be able to refer something back to them right away, but I can invite them on my podcast and promote them in that way. And, you know, when I meet a a new lawyer, you know, we can schedule a a video conference or we can schedule a podcast and we'll have a video conference and record it and publish it and share it with, you know, the world, you know, from our from our perspective. Um, But really, we do it because we enjoy it. Like we started off thinking, oh, we're going to it's going to be this great marketing vehicle. But I have no ability to measure whether or not it's, you know, the the marketing side is working. But we've found so much joy in talking to people and um, 
you know, and learning about their journey. And I, you know, we always find something interesting in our, in our guests and um, it's just been a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. Like, you, you know, you, I know, you know, that it's a lot of work. You may know but... something a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're aspiring to be, you know, like the hearing, you know, but one, maybe one day when we grow up, um, we can rise to that level. But it's I'm sure you 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 agree that it, it's it's really just fun. I really love talking to people. Yes, me too. That's that's why I love doing this. Um, and and it's a great chance to to connect with people. Definitely. Having listened to a few of the episodes, I, the one that struck me was the one on gratitude. Um, so I'm glad you you mentioned it in in this uh, this podcast here. Um, I think it's really powerful, and and um, I think it was around Thanksgiving, so it was a timely right. episode. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I love that one too. And gratitude is such an overlooked, um, you know, part of our lives that I think if, you know, when, when you adopt a gratitude practice, it's really impacts you in so many ways. It also reminds you to, you know, how many things you have to be grateful for. So, um, I, I used to write in my, I used to, I, I have a gratitude journal and I write in there usually once a week, but I used to do it every night and I would do 10 things every night and, you know, 10 things, that's a lot of things, but you know what, you could, you could, you could list a hundred in a, in in seconds. There's so, there's so many things to be grateful for. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on the hearing. This has been really so much fun. Thank you, and I, I'm I'm grateful that you um, that you came on and 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 talked to us about something that I think is so so important and and not enough people, let alone attorneys, focus on, which is well being. I think that's a really really important thing. The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash the hearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.